Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. If you're like me, around 50 years old, well, I'm actually exactly 50, but if you're around that age and you were a baseball fan as a kid in the 1970s and 1980s, there was one player in the game, perhaps above all others, who exemplified greatness and professionalism and elegance at the plate. Rodney Klein Carew, the Hall of Famer, the seven-time batting champion, one of the great players of his or any era. His new book is One Tough Out, Fighting Off Life's Curveballs, and it's a pleasure to welcome to The Sporting Life, Rod Carew. Rod, thank you for being with us. Thanks, uh, Jeremy. It's, it's good to be here. Rod, a lot of people know that uh, um, you had health issues, serious health issues, in the last few years that required a heart transplant. How are you feeling now? Well, I feel good, actually. You know, um, they told me I have another 15 years. The doctors did, so, you know, I'm just banking on that. But, you know, I feel good, real good. What are you doing these days? Well, I'm hanging out with my wife. <laughs> you know, we try to do as much as we can together with this crazy virus going around, you know, uh, we spend a lot of time together. And before it was announced, I was in spring training with the twins, uh, working with some of the young players. Rod, your story, which you tell here so eloquently in your new book, One Tough Out, um, there are a lot of triumphs, uh, as you would expect, a lot of remarkable achievements, as many of us are aware. And there's a lot of hardship, too. Not only your uh, health issues in the last few years, but the death of your daughter when she was 17 from leukemia, your upbringing. You were born in Panama, uh, but raised mostly in New York. What was it like writing about these things, telling these stories, many of which uh, you know, were so painful to experience, of course? Well, I think the, the most painful part was... Uh about Michelle, you know, not so much about my upbringing and what I went through, but about, you know, Michelle, you know, she was just a young lady getting ready to go to nursing school. And, and then she was um, diagnosed with uh, leukemia. But what surprised me about her was that she, she never cried a day. You know, she just said that, you know, the doctors are going to clean me up and I'll be back out there again you know, trying to help save someone's life. So uh, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I couldn't believe her reaction and the way she felt. Why? Well, you know, you think that a 17-year-old would start saying, you know, why me? And, you know, I don't want to die and start crying and things like that. But she, she just, you know, she was strong. She said, you know, the doctors told her, you know, what she had and, they're going to clean her up and make her well again. And that's all she uh, really believed in at the time. We're speaking with Rod Carew. His new book, a memoir, is One Tough Out, Fighting Off Life's Curve Curveballs. Now, um, I think most people would agree there can't be anything uh, more difficult, more traumatic than losing a child. 
how did you uh how did you deal with the trauma at the time rod you know i have faith you know and um she was a great kid i mean everyone loved her and then when the big man upstairs decided that it was her time you know um i have so much faith in him that you know i never questioned him or asked why michelle you know it was just her time you know and you know, we all have our time scheduled from the day we were born. So, um, you know, I just went on and, and did what she asked me to do is to stay involved and, you know, try and help kids. And I've had a golf tournament for the last 25 years that um, it's all about pediatric cancer. So, um, and it's doing real, real good things for, for a lot of kids. Rod, you know, th- there's a lot of pain here, and it's not easy talking about things that are painful. So why was it so important for you to write this book? Well, you know, God had given me a gift to, to see a baseball and hit a baseball. And so I felt that, you know, um, put the book out. I'm doing God's work. I'm trying to save lives. And um, letting people be aware of heart disease. And it's the number one killer in this country. And I want people to take care of themselves, take care of their bodies, and take care of that little ticker that he gives us uh, inside of our body to live. So hopefully, you know, we'll get some uh, good results from it. When you look back at your career in baseball and all the things uh all the things you did. I, one thing that's vivid for me, as I said, I'm 50 years old. So I was eight years old, the 1978 all-star game. And I remember it. I don't remember where it was played. The only thing I remember, I, I remember I was such a big baseball fan in the all-star game back then, especially was such a big deal. And that was the year after you'd hit 388. And uh, there were a lot of people hopeful that you would become the first since Williams to hit 400. And I remember in that game, what was it, two triples and two singles in the All-Star game? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I hit two triples. And on the second one, I was sliding into third base, and Pete Rose was playing third base. And he started yelling, you know, that's that's, that's a record. No one has ever done that before. (laughs) Pete would know. Yeah, he would know, you know. So I got up, and he says, you know, Congratulations. No one has ever done what you just did, you know. So Pete knows about things in baseball that a lot of us don't know, you know. But um, it, it was a great day for me. 77 was a big year for you, the year before that. I mean, there were, you know, in the in the middle of um, what I guess I would call your heyday, you were at the height of your powers, um, no one had hit 388 since Ted Williams uh, in the late 50s. No one had hit 400 since Williams in 1941. What was it like being locked in like that that year? You know, it was a very uncanny year for me. It just seems that everything I hit found a hole. And what's crazy is that when I was at the plate, I would see that the infielders, middle infielders, shift a little bit and then I'd hit the ball maybe you know two feet from where they were playing that it would have been an out but it went through for a base hit so um it was just crazy the baseball seemed 
like it was a, a beach ball. <laughs> and it seemed like it was just floating up there and say, hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me where you want to. You know, so uh, it was a great, great season for me. Now, I know you know these numbers, Rod, but I'm going to read them for the benefit of our listeners. You won your first batting title in 69 when you were 23, 332. Then you won the batting title in 72, 318. You're a career 328 hitter in an era when there was a lot of diminished offensive production. It was really a pitcher's era. You won batting titles hitting 332, 318, 350, 364, 359, 388, and 333. You were an all-star 18 seasons in a row. Um I don't know what the question is, Rod. Right? <laughs> it just, it just still, I still marvel at, at what you achieved. Um, one of the things when I think about your career is the remarkable bat control. Um, and what you could do with both, uh, with a hand around the barrel of the bat. Why can't anyone bunt anymore, Rod? Well, they really don't try, you know, and it's so frustrating to, um, to see guys that have speed that could get on base easily. Uh, especially with the shift that's on that they're doing today, and they don't even attempt. Everyone wants to hit a home run because they figured or they thought that or think that uh, that's where they're going to make the big bucks. But you know, to me, I I'm very first frustrated with the game today because of that. And we work on it in spring training every single day, and then when the games start, they forget about it. All they think about is, let me see how far I can hit hit the next one. You also write about uh, your difficult childhood and your father uh, in this book. As I said, you were born in Panama in 1945, uh, but you were raised mostly in New York, and you went to George Washington High School in Washington Heights, same high school that produced uh, Manny Ramirez, two pretty good uh, ball players. Um, how would you describe your childhood? Um, it was tough. Because I was a very sick kid, you know, I had rheumatic fever when I was growing up and I, I almost died. Um, so my mom treated me um, with kid gloves. You know, my dad thought that I should be more of a man, you know, and so we didn't have a good relationship. And, um, you know, he drank a lot and uh, I suffered the consequences. My mother and I suffered the consequences when he came home. But one thing that I had that kept me safe was baseball. And my mom encouraged me to play. You know, she says, you know, keep keep going, keep playing, and, and good things are going to happen. And I told her, I said, Mom, all I want to do is play in front of 50,000 people because listening to the radio, I couldn't believe that there were that many people in the stands. Uh, until I found out, you know, differently. But baseball saved me. You know, I almost killed my dad uh, when he came home one night. He was really drunk, and I was about 12 years old, and he passed out on the bed, and I said, here's my chance. And then my mom came running in, and she says, don't forget baseball, and I stopped. I was just tired of the abuse and my mom being abused. Rod, 
what what do you remember? I mean, you're growing up in New York. It's it's the fifties, and you've got um, Willie Mays playing for the Giants at the Polo Grounds, just a couple of miles from where you're growing up. You got Mickey Mantle in the Bronx again, just over the river. Uh, you've got all those great players with the Dodgers out there. What what do you remember about uh, being a fan as a kid of New York baseball? Well, you know, it's crazy. I had never gone into Yankee Stadium, never went into the Polo Grounds, and um, I played right outside of Yankee Stadium Stadium on uh, McCombs Field. Right there, by the bridge. Yeah, right by the bridge. I used to hit some balls up on top of that bridge. But um, I used to hear the, the roar of the crowd, and I used to say to myself, you know, maybe one day I'll be playing in, in, in this place. and and the house that Ruth built. And as a kid, you know, you just, you dream and you wonder. And I was fortunate enough to um, to realize my dream. When did you know that you had not an ordinary, but an extraordinary talent for the game? Well, you know, every year players would ask, you know, what they're going to do to set goals. And, you know, sometimes those goals never were realized and all I asked for was God to give me good health and I was going to do good things for him and that's that's all I ever thought about I was not playing for myself I was playing for the almighty and he took me through a great a great career and I, I thanked him every day and I still do we're speaking with Rod Carew the baseball great one of the greatest ever to play the game, second baseman, first baseman, 18-time, I've got it right, it's 18, isn't it, Rod? 18-time All-Star. Yeah. An All-Star in every season in which he played in the majors except his final season, 1985. Split between his career, the Minnesota Twins, and at the time, California Angels, 3,053 hits, a 328 career batting average, rookie of the year, MVP of the American League. Um you achieved all these great things in baseball. Um, what what gives the game its spiritual element beyond just the physical? Where people think about baseball in a way, uh, they think of it as home. They think of it as comfort. They think of it, it saved your life. And, and what is it that's special about baseball? Well, that's what I thought. It saved my life. Um I don't know. It's just, you know, growing up and playing stickball and thinking about Willie Mays and Jackie and Roy and Ted and all those great players and, you know, hoping that one day you can meet them or, you know, play with them. So, I mean, it kept me transfixed on the game. And um, sure enough, I was fortunate enough to to meet some of those guys and play against, you know, some of those guys and make Roger, all those guys. So um, I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm lucky. Right. Before we, um, before we let you go, I don't want to embarrass you. Um, but when I was a kid, I mentioned this before the, uh, before we went on the air, I, I was lucky enough to go to spring training with my dad, Dick Schapp in 1978. I was a huge baseball fan and I still have among my possessions a Polaroid he took of, of me and you. And if I could show it to you, maybe I'll send it to you if you're interested. I, I've got a look on my face. Um, 
it's it's exactly the look you would expect to see from an eight-year-old kid who loves baseball, who's meeting his hero. And you had, um, as I mentioned before, you had this effect on people. You seem to kind of rise above... Um, Rise above the game in a way. You were elevated. You were elegant. You were graceful. You carried yourself um, with such uh, such purpose and such class. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you didn't you didn't seem to be. Um, nobody ever brought you down to the level of like uh, you know the scuffles and that kind of stuff. How did you how did you manage to stay above the fray for 20 years in the big leagues in the way that I'm describing if that makes any sense at all, Rod? Well, you know, I had two great teachers. Number 1, Tony Oliva, who when I came up as a rookie, I uh, roomed with him. He took me as his roommate and we roomed together for 11 years and then he became a coach and I couldn't room with him anymore. But he taught me a lot of things how to carry myself, how to handle myself, how to, how to speak to people. And we still have that great relationship going on today when we go end up in spring training together and walking around the camp and you know saying hello to people and, and trying to work with some of the young players. The other guy was Harmon Killebrew. We, um, Harmon and I used to have ice cream eating contests. And... Um, <laughs> He always thought that he He's a bigger a, guy. I mean, he, he's a bigger that's that's a tough one to win. Yeah, we go on the road and we maybe go to lunch and, and there goes the challenge. And um I finally started out eating him and he says, I can't believe that you're doing doing that to an old man. I says, Charlie, you're not old, you just can't beat me anymore. You know, I don't I'm a bottomless <laughs> pit. You know, and <laughs> The lesson that I learned from him was, Junior, you're going to continue to have a great career. And I want you to know one thing, that it doesn't cost anything to be nice to people. You know, and and that's the way I've tried to live my life, you know, being nice to people and uh, putting a smile on their faces. And I continue to do that today. I don't think there's any. Any doubt about that? Rodney Klein Carew, the Hall of Famer, one of baseball's all-time greats, his new book, One Tough Out, Fighting Off Life's Curveballs. Rod, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And, you know, I've got to give kudos to the name of the book, uh, to Reggie Jackson. Oh, really? He's the one that came up with the name. Yeah. He was going to write something uh, on the back of the book, and... um then when he said uh, "one tough out," uh, we decided to name the book "one tough out." It's a great title. Yeah, yeah, it's a great title. Your 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 old teammate Reginald Martinez Jackson. Yep, uh, we we were we were good friends, and we still are good friends. And um, he's he's a good man. You know, people don't understand Reggie, but. <laughs> Reggie would give you the shirt off his back. Uh, I've known Reggie uh, my whole life, and uh, he was he was my idol when I was a kid. I was at Game Six in '77 when he hit the three home runs, and that that like turned on a, a light bulb in my head. I was like, "Wow, nobody more exciting in the history of the game to watch than Reggie Jackson." No doubt about it. Yes, definitely. 
Thank you, Rod. Thank you, sir. And uh, it's, it's my pleasure. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.